Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard. My name's Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Welcome also to all of our affiliate radio stations, uh, to the number one internet sports talk show in the world between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. My name's Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. I'm on loan from God for the next two hours we will dive into this crazy world of sports, and we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a busy, busy, busy week in football, so we're going to talk some college football, standing by in the balance green room. Matthew Embry is going to join us, and also going to, uh, he's going to help us uh, start talking at some IndyCar uh, uh, funny season, what's going on with that, keep us up to date with what's going on with IndyCar, because we are ever so fast approaching the 2019 running of the Indianapolis 500. Of course, uh, the Indianapolis, I mean, the IndyCar season, uh, not too far from getting kicked off. We still got some time, but we want to make sure that we get caught up on everything with IndyCar. And then we'll be talking some college football with Matthew as well. And then the big college football championship game Monday, Alabama versus Clemson. We're going to break that down. How did Clemson get there? What happened to Notre Dame? All of those questions are going to be answered uh, for you. And then, without ado, as you all know, playoff weekend is here. Wild card weekend is here. The Colts are in. Lots of stuff going on. Also, some craziness going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, we're going to be talking with the Super Steelers fan, uh, Kyle Courtney, who's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking some NBA and pictures with, with uh, Grant Alstiv, and then we're going to be talking some NFL, more NFL with Ed Kratz, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with its, the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io.eagles. And also, for those of you that just have the urge to bet, like myself and others, Mo from the BS Sports Show is going to tell us where and when to hold them and when to fold them. My name's Tom Mark. What's 917-889-8516 is my digits. We'll be right back. We'll get this party started. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. 
In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digits. Let's get this party started. It is uh, time to talk some IndyCar with Matthew Embry from uh, up at WSBT. Also, uh, our college football uh, guru as well, Notre Dame guru, because uh, he's up in the heart of Notre Dame country. Ninety six point one WSBT. Matthew Embry, how are you, sir? 
Uh, boy, uh, not so good if you're talking Notre Dame men's basketball right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, with only eight Still scholarship morning, players. Huh? Yeah, it's going to be a long year. I just hope Notre Dame Nation doesn't go crazy saying they need to go with another coach instead of Mike Bray because uh, you're just short on players right now. You only have eight scholarship players, uh, no Rex Fluger. Uh, TJ Gibbs, uh, maybe nursing a little bit of an injury as well. So it's the walking wounded right now for the Irish, but uh, you've got a lot of talent coming in. Just have to show some patience right now and allow it to uh, flourish uh, when we get to like 2020 because uh, we do coming into this year is going to be a rebuilding year without Bonzi Colson, et cetera, and missing the tournament, all that stuff. So uh, I just hope people don't judge things a little bit too harshly here. Uh, Notre Dame struggles at ACC play because let's face it, the ACC is tougher than ever this year. And uh, if you don't have a strong roster, it's going to show real fast. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to be getting more and more into the college basketball. Uh, we saw Notre Dame struggle uh, against Purdue here at the, uh, at the, at the, uh, Crossroads Classic, so we'll certainly keep our eye on Notre Dame. Let's get into some IndyCar uh, uh, funny season. Obviously, we're just a short time away. We like to say short time because it's in it's in the new year. Yeah, we still have plenty of time till the month of May. But man, we're on the countdown till the month of May, uh, and it's always fun to talk about IndyCar and what's called the IndyCar funny season. So let's talk a little bit about uh, IndyCar. First of all, bring us up to speed, and then I will. We'll dive into some of these stories that uh, I've got listed here. But uh, go ahead and talk with us about what you know with IndyCar funny season as we are today. Well, the question right now is uh, what Carlin's going to do at this point. Uh, they're going to run two cars. They're going to run three cars. Uh, we know Max Chilton's going to be back for 2019. We don't know if Charlie Kimball, uh, if he can find more money to go alongside uh, his dwindling Novo Nordisk uh, money at this point. It's gone down as far as support for Novo Nordisk again for 2019, supposedly. And then, of course, you have uh, the big money guy at R.C. Anderson as well lurking there. Uh, if they do run three cars, uh, all indications it will be that those three running. And then uh, the rest of the field, uh, looking ahead to the Indianapolis 500, uh, you have potentially two more coming from UCOS, uh, the possibility of three coming from Smith. And, of course, uh, with the Smith uh, team, this is the they bounce back from J.H. Hitchcliffe failed to make the field a year ago. And then, obviously, uh, if Coyd runs four cars, uh, I'd be curious to see how they fare, especially they bring Connor Daly and Pippa Van back, two drivers who also almost missed the field a year ago. So, a lot of unknown questions, and of course, uh, then you have the X Factor with uh, Elton Julian's Dragon Speed organization with uh, Ben Handley joining the uh, mix for five events, including the 500. So uh, we have a lot of situations right now where we could have a few full timers uh, struggling just to make the show, but that always makes it dramatic, and that's why, you know, no provisional rules in Indy. It's the fastest 33 get in, and uh, you have to bring your A game and. Unlike in NASCAR, where you don't have those charter positions and everything set, uh, Indy qualifying means something. And at least now with the full field now, plus uh, qualifying means more than ever. And uh, that's the way it should be. I'll, like, uh, you know, pitter-patter and you can just, uh, you know, lollygag your way into fields. Uh, that's not the way racing is about. And uh, now that uh, that's starting to get back into play at Indy like it should be uh, years ago, uh, I think the fans will start coming back for the qualifying weekends and 
it's not going to be like 100,000 fans like it was in the 60s or 70s or 80s, but uh, it should be a decent number, I'd say, coming up, especially if the rain stays away uh, in May. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we, we saw some exciting times in, in May last year. We saw a real true bump day. We'll see if that happens again. It certainly, it certainly has all the makings of a perfect storm, if you will, as we look at what's, what's, what's going on in, in the, in the offseason here. And as you just mentioned, Pippa Man and others uh, who barely missed it last year, uh, we, we saw a heartbreaking uh, uh, bump uh, from uh, – James Hinchcliffe, who took it with class. They could have took that a lot of different ways, uh, but it certainly was done the right way and with tradition with the Annapolis 500. Let's talk a little bit about these stories, and then we'll get into some college football. Marco Andretti becomes partner in the number 98 IndyCar entry, uh, the number 98 entry uh, to the Andretti Herda uh, Autosports with um, – Curb, <laughs> try that. I jig in, in the IndyCar series. Um, so, a new business partner there. Talk with us about that. Well, that just kills off the rumor that Al Marco Andre was looking to possibly lead the family organization. It looks like uh, for the rest of his career, he's going to stay a member of Andretti, uh, whether he improves or not. You know, I just don't know what to think of Marco Andretti anymore, uh, Tom. I mean, this is a guy that everyone said was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And even now, 12, 13 years into his career, he still only has four career victories. So uh, I'm not sure we're going to get much of an improvement from Marco uh, down the road here. Uh, may challenge again for an 8,500, may eventually win one, who knows. But beyond that, uh, I'd say right now another one of these glass half full, glass half empty ones that uh, drivers that we thought we were going to get a lot out of. And uh, unfortunately, we never got anything out of them, uh, to be honest. We're talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, wears multiple hats with the show. Appreciate everything that he does for us. Also, a college football contributor as well. Fuzzy Vaca ends its uh, relationship with, with uh, Ed Carpenter Racing. So, in 2019, we'll see a new sponsor on the uh, 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 Ed Carpenter cars. Do we know where that's at, where that stands? Do we have any uh, official word on who might be replacing Fuzzy Vaca? I guess it would be preferred freezer services. He's been a co-sponsor of that entry. Also, we might see Auto Geek with sponsorship bonded by Spencer Piggott at a few events. So uh, I don't think it's going to affect uh, anything as far as Ed Carpenter too much. Uh, still be the same situation where Ed's going to run the oval events. Ed Jones is going to run the road courses at the 8500 in his own car provided by Scooter Rear Corsa. And then Spencer Pickett's going to run the championship. So I think uh, instead of seeing a green or black car like we see for most races, I think we're going to see a lot of blue cars from the ECR 2019. Well, we're going to keep our eye on IndyCar. It's time to move on to some other stuff. Last week we saw Clemson get in again to take on Alabama. We saw an undefeated Notre Dame go in and have uh, the the uh, the golden egg handed to them, if you will. Uh, all they had to do was beat Clemson, and they were in. That did not happen. History repeats itself. Here we go again, Matthew. Alabama and Clemson in the championship game on Monday. Talk with us a little bit about how Clemson got in and well, Notre Dame just fell apart. Clemson's good, and what you see with Clemson, Alabama, consistent teams that get to the playoff, as opposed to Oklahoma and Notre Dame, who've been here, there, everywhere. You, in Notre Dame's case, you could not expect to get here once every six years and have a chance to win national championships. This doesn't work that way. 
But I think Notre Dame Nation's being a little bit too harsh on this. They're saying, oh, we need to get rid of Brian Kelly. We need to blow the thing up and rebuild it. Uh, Brian Kelly's not getting anything more. He's getting about as much as Notre Dame's been able to get in a long time. So you just don't blame the coach for that. Uh, and you look at the scenarios, just the situation was simply the offensive line got outplayed, could not stop Clemson's D line. I mean, Ian Book getting sacked six times uh, is not a coincidence. I'd say that's uh, O-line play and just getting outboxed by Clemson's D-line being a large part of that. Add to that, uh, the run game with Dexter Williams never got going. And then you look defensively, uh, losing Julian Love for those uh, situations. They put in Dante Vaughn instead of Tariq Bracey. I think that's a move that I question. They should have probably bought in Tariq Bracey instead of Dante Vaughn. And like Coach Kelly said in the post-game press conference, it was those four plays they went after Vaughn, and it led to those 28, 27, 28 points that Clemson eventually scored to win the game and make the difference. And uh, I think right now uh, death's going to be a concern, and that's something they need to work on if you're Notre Dame looking ahead to 2019 and a butt beyond is building some depth in this roster to where you lose players uh, you're able to rebuild because uh, remember at the end of this year, no Drew Tranquil, Julian Love has uh, left, has forbid, gone his last year of eligibility to enter the NFL draft. Uh, I'd say right now, defensively, there's still a few cogs need to be filled. Uh, obviously, need to find a replacement for Tavon Cody. The linebacker position supposedly is weak looking ahead to 2019. So you've got a lot of holes to fill, and especially you've got a tougher uh, situation. Like, I mean, you got a few easy games in there, but you also have a trip to Georgia down the road. Uh, you have a trip to, for instance, Stanford on the road. And then there's a couple other toughies uh, looking ahead to the 2019 slate. So when you look for that standpoint, I think defensively, they need to find some stability at linebacker without the Tranquil and Cody. And uh, then, obviously, they need to find a replacement on the D-line to replace Jerry Tillery. So there's a lot of areas where Notre Dame needs to, you know, find the depth necessary uh, to stake resistant. Because what they need to do, Tom, is consistently win 10 games a season. If they could get in the bow where they could win 10 games every year, they could be right up there with Alabama and Clemson and become a contender for national championships. It's when they have these seasons where they plummet to 6-6, 5 that's what's going to help them. So what they need to do is gain some consistency, consistently win 10 games a year, and I'd say they are right back in the mix for national championships. But if they're just one and duns here where they keep, you know, here, there, and everywhere, they manage like every six years a 12-win season or an undefeated season, they're going to have a hard time winning a national championship. That's just, you just can't win it that way anymore. You have to consistently be in the running to win it. That's what makes Alabama and Clemson so good and right now. Notre Dame is not doing that. So if you're looking for something to look forward to and for stability, you need to consistently win 10 games. That would be the best way to do it as far as I'm concerned. Well, absolutely. And here's the thing. that The, the South, uh, as far as the South, meaning you know, Alabama and so forth, the South, they own college football right now. And, and the only way for your Ohio State and your, and your Michigans and your uh, – well, well, we'll throw IU and Purdue in there because we're homers. But – or, or any team outside of the South to get to uh, a national championship, they have to do a better job at, at recruiting. And certainly that's one thing that Alabama has figured out most definitely, and Clemson as well. Uh, we obviously have a true 
uh, best of the best, number one versus a number two. Uh, every player takes the field on Monday's uh, national uh, championship game is worth watching. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide and Clemson Tigers build up stables of five-star recruiting talent. That's what we're talking about. And because because of that, anyone is uh, in, 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 in making a game-changing play at Levi Stadium. Let's talk with the, about the Alabama quarterback. We call him Tua uh, because he's got such a long name, so we'll just call him Tua. But he's not the most dominant college football quarterback out there. Let's face it, he really is not. He has challenges. He can get big. Tell us a little bit about Alabama's quarterback, who we know as Tua. Tons of Iowa, I think right now, if you can put him under pressure like Georgia did, he can't be vulnerable to mistakes. And I think Clemson has the D-line that can do that. Now, can they do that consistently, 60 minutes on Monday? That's still a question mark. But I'd say uh, if there's a team that is capable of giving him problems, I would say it's Clemson. Now, Clemson's not going to be able to shut them out completely. I still think uh, Alabama's going to get their points somehow, some way. But uh, you look at the scenarios right now, you have a solid Clemson attack, especially with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Etienne had a quiet game at Soto Dave, had one big play, finally was able to break through for a touchdown, you know, in the third quarter. But uh, beyond that, uh, a lot of stuff there. And then you got uh, Justin Smith, who absolutely tore apart the Notre Dame secondary uh, last Saturday. So. You have options there if you're uh, Dabo Sweeney at this point, but uh, you need to use them effectively, and then you need to get some defensive play uh, because you're probably going to have to score, I'd say, 30, 40 points if you're going to beat Alabama looking ahead to Monday. That would be my guess. Well, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, absolutely quarterback for Clemson. If Trevor Lawrence uh, produces a similar performance uh, to the one that he delivered in the Cotton Bowl, Clemson has a strong chance of knocking off Alabama. Lawrence, who, who, bat, who beat out the experienced uh, Kelly Bryant uh, for the starting job early in the season, dazzled the pocket throwing, uh, in the pocket throwing uh, 307 yards. <laughs> What uh, Trevor Lawrence could do to, I mean, he's, I think he's only a freshman, uh, but he is certainly capable of packing a, a punch, uh, absolutely. So we'll see what happens out of, out of the Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we talked about, about Tua as well. Let's talk about uh, offensive tackle uh, Jonah Williams. I think you mentioned him a little bit. In order uh, for uh, Tua to, uh, to achieve success in the pocket, this Alabama offensive line has to continue to uh, keep defenders away from him. They do a great job with that. And one of the key players on that offensive line is jo- Jonah Williams. What are your thoughts? Obviously a solid blind side protector, no question. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be put to the test uh, with all these uh, star players, even without, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, and even keep in mind, even with him suspended, uh, Notre Dame still had trouble stopping that defensive line. So it shows just how much uh, in the depth category uh, Clemson has. They can continue to put in fresh people on that defensive line and continue to cause problems. So Jonah Williams and that offensive line, no question, uh, are going to be put to the test uh, Monday. Well, we go to the other side of the line there, the defensive line with Clemson. Obviously, uh, Christian Wilkins, in order for Clemson to keep up the momentum in his favor, uh, once uh, Lawrence and the offense uh, march down the field for a score, uh, obviously he needs to put pressure uh, – they, they need to put pressure on Tua. And the one guy that can do that is uh, Christian Wilkins, a defensive lineman there for Clemson. Clemson, I'll get it out. It's only Saturday. What are your thoughts? 
Well, he certainly made uh, Mustafer and company look bad uh, for Notre Dame's offensive line uh, on Saturday, did he? I mean, he, he had a lot of issues there, but it's not just one guy. I mean, there's multiple guys in that Clemson D-line that could hurt you, and I think we saw that. Ian, if you stop the defensive line, but then they can send a linebacker through and also gets the quarterback. So there's many ways that Clemson could find a way to hurt you uh, with their way that they attack on that front seven. Well, we'll certainly see what if the Tigers are able to hold uh, the, the, the uh, Crimson Tide uh, to, uh, to a three and, and out or two. Uh, if they are, they're able, they're able to take control of this contest. And, I, you know, really, if we're going to take picks, because I, I'm just going to go back to the fact that they beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was undefeated. And Alabama, I've seen struggle in games throughout the entire year. Alabama is beatable, and I think the team that could do it this week is uh, on Monday is Clemson. What are your thoughts? I just don't think Alabama's going to be beat. I mean, they committed four to five turnovers against Georgia and still won that game. I mean, people say, oh, Georgia deserves another chance. When it, you play a team and you could cause them to commit four or five turnovers, you should win that game. And Georgia failed to do that. And, well, we saw what happened with Georgia. Georgia couldn't force turnovers against Texas, and they lost in the Super Bowl. So, for those people saying Georgia deserved to be in the Final Four, absolutely not. When you cause that many turnovers, you should win a ball game like that. Georgia didn't do that against Alabama. And I'd say right now, if Alabama, if Clemson could cause turnovers against Alabama and take advantage of those, they could win. But if they – go like what Georgia did and are unable to take advantage of those opportunities, uh, I'd say it could be a long day for Dabo and company against Alabama coming up on Monday. Well, we're going to see what happens. We're going to have a, a national champion on Monday night, uh, late into the night of Monday night as, as, they, as they play out in California. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of uh, let's, uh, let's play uh, on, on, a, on some sort of a home turf on a campus or something, but that's neither here nor there. That's, a, that's another argument for another day. Also, another argument for another day is how to get into the college football playoffs. Uh, we got it at four. Now. I think a lot of people would like to see it at least go to six. And I think most uh, t- uh, people who are fans of the of the uh, broader range of opportunities that are out there would like to see it go to eight. But I think we're at a point where we should at least consider, Matthew, of us going to a six-team uh, playoff for the national championship. Uh, I'd say right now, keeping it four. I mean, just as uncompetitive as the semifinals were this year, you extend the field to six or eight. I think they'd be even more uncompetitive uh, looking down the road if you're talking semifinals or quarterfinal rounds. So I'd say right now, until those semifinal games get competitive again, there's no reason that they need to expand the playoff at this point. As you look ahead into uh, Notre Dame, let's talk about just Notre Dame because you're right there in their in their backyard, and certainly you uh, work for uh, WSBT, which is uh, the uh, flagship for, for, for Notre Dame. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll lean on your expertise a little bit. You, you spoke about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, the Notre Dame men's basketball, as they get ready to, to go through the season. Uh, what are we looking at uh, for Notre Dame? I mean, we just a couple years ago, we saw Notre Dame uh, within the grasp of a national championship. It, it seems like we've seen a fall from glory with Notre Dame men's basketball. Well, it's tough to stay in the top when you have to play teams like Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech. I mean, there's a reason the ACC is the toughest conference in the country right now, and I think you're seeing why. I mean, there's plenty of teams in there that are capable 
of winning basketball games. And unfortunately right now, Notre Dame is at that level with Penn and Boston College where they are incapable of doing it. Uh, obviously, injuries are taking their toll. You only have eight players that you want on scholarship that are currently played right now, and that was down to seven. I think Virginia Tech and Dick Jogu was too sick to be able to make the trip. Uh, as you look at the scenarios, I mean, they got potential there. The problem is the potential is still raw. I mean, Gerard Durham is a freshman. Preston Hub is a freshman. Nate Lashesky is a freshman. Uh, you've got a lot of freshmen there. Then you've got a couple more freshmen that, they're, that Mike Bray is redshirting that try to keep their eligibility at four years that he also doesn't want to necessarily put into the, you know, the lineup here. I mean, what made Notre Dame competitive, Tom, was being able to bring these players in slowly and then make them flourish in their last two years. I mean, that's what you saw with players like Tim Abrobitis, et cetera, that uh, had very strong careers at the end of their careers at Notre Dame. With the way things have gone recently, they can't do that, and that's made things difficult for them. And then you have the injuries, like we said, to the main core players like Rick Fluger, who's out for the year, and then the semi-injury that uh, T.J. Gibbs suffered in, in Roanoke against uh, Virginia Tech. We have to see if he's back to 100% for the action today or not. So you look down the road at 2020, I'd say, is the best option for Notre Dame at this point. I'd say if they make the NIT, that would be a win at this point. Uh, this is not a team. I think with what, what they have and what the competition they're facing the ACC that is capable of getting the NCAA tournament in 2019. We're talking with Matthew Embry, uh, our official IndyCar contributor uh, here at the Balance. Also wears multiple hats as far as uh, college uh, football uh, contributor and Notre Dame contributor as well. Matthew Embry from WSBT. Matthew, we got to move on into uh, some uh, playoff talk uh, over the next uh, uh, few segments here. Do you want to stick around or do you got to go? A couple things I got to get to. Don't forget, uh, coming up on WSBT, uh, you know, our coverage starts at 1140 with Jack Noel and Zach Hillisland as Notre Dame gets in action. Then we have uh, the Colts and then the second half of the Seattle-Dallas game and then more action uh, with uh, the Chargers in Baltimore coming up on Sunday. And then uh, switch over to our sister station, D94.3, our home for the Chicago Bears, the NFC North champions, as they take on Philadelphia. So a whole weekend of sports action on our WSBT stations again. WSBT and Z94.3 if you're in the local area and if you are outside our feed area because we'll have those feeds blocked off online you can still follow us uh, check your local affiliates etc and don't forget also uh, for Notre Indianapolis that is a game we can stream on our feed so if you go to WSBTradio.com you will be able to listen to that game in its entirety plus the two-hour postgame show. Man, we got us a weekend full of football, that's for sure. And we're going to be talking in depth about the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears here a little bit later on the show. Matthew, we bid you a good weekend, and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk with you again soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. All right, thank you. Matthew Embry from WSBTN out of the South Bend, uh, Mishawaka area, uh, joins us to talk in Notre Dame. Obviously, a, a fall from glory, if you will. And uh, we talk a little bit about the college football championship. And Matthew is also our official IndyCar contributor. So, talk a little bit about what's coming up with that. Coming up, standing by in the balance green room, Kyle Courtney, Super Steelers fan. We got As the World Turns, according to the Pittsburgh Steelers talk a little football with him as well we'll be right back right here on the balance radio network 917-889-8516 is our digits
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six or digits. Thank you to Matthew Embry from WSBT up in South Bend, uh, chiming in on some Notre Dame loss, and of course uh, the Clemson win and in the national championship. And our IndyCar contributor as well. Talk a little bit about the IndyCar uh, funny season. Joining us now is Pittsburgh Steelers super fan. I thought great opportunity to have Kyle Courtney on because. 
help us guide us through this soap opera that's going on uh, with uh, the, the Steelers. We had Bill early on in the season, Antonio Brown now. It is just one thing after another with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll start with you, uh, Kyle. Kyle, what is going on in Hinesville, Pittsburgh land, the, the whatever you want to call it, uh, a title for a, a soap opera that's going on out there. Welcome, sir. Welcome to 19. Hey, man, uh, as the Steelers' turn has become the uh, has become <laughs> the sort of uh, around the t- around the uh, the team and people that cover it. But the, the reality is, is that they've had. Like, like you mentioned, the last couple of seasons have been fairly drama-filled. Uh, you had, you know, three years ago with Antonio Brown uh, doing the FaceTiming in the locker room after the game. Then you had the the issue with Le- Le'Veon Bell, um, all, like, holding out up until the season last year. And then this last year he held out the entire season. And then uh, issues in the locker room. Um, they've, they've just had a whole lot of very dramatic uh, situations that have kind of that have really hit uh, in a very short period of time. But to be fair, it's really only been a, a couple of people that have been causing that. Um, a lot of people will point to Tomlin and say, well, it's his fault for not really reining this in. Uh, Tomlin has really been, has, has really tried to be more of a, I'm going to push the buttons of each individual player and get them to perform at the highest level, not a disciplinarian, which many people uh, can look at and go, maybe that's what they need. But at the same time, they've also performed at a really high level, uh, albeit, not necessarily performing well in the uh, team against teams that are under 500, but he, they've performed really, really well, and he's not had a losing season, and that is where people point to the success. At the same time, you've also had uh, he's only won three playoff games since they went to the Super Bowl in 2010 at the same time. So in that eight-year span, three playoff games to a team like Pittsburgh is 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 not really showing a whole lot of success the drama that's ensued with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and everything afterwards just kind of exacerbates the problem a little bit more. So that's kind of where we are right now. Um, if you would have asked me a week ago, if I would have said if the, if there was even a concern of whether or not Antonio Brown would be on this team next year, no, I would be like, no, they're going to get rid of it. They're going to figure it out and move on. And then everything that's happened this week, it's just kind of, it's now you're seeing it truly looks like Antonio Brown, the all pro first ballot Hall of Famer uh, wide receiver could not be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2019. Here's the thing, what I don't understand about Antonio Brown. I mean, let's get ready for the uh, shirtless driveway setups. Uh, the next question is press, <laughs> press conference. Uh, I mean, uh, much of the week has been dominated by the question of whether or not the Steelers really want Antonio Brown. First of all, Antonio Brown, what can complain about? He's one of the most accomplished wide receivers out there, all wide receivers at Divas. But, my God, I mean, he doesn't really have anything to complain about. He's making good money. He's getting catches. He's got great stats. What is his actual problem, especially with Ben Roethlisberger? Because apparently he just happened to throw a football at him. What are your thoughts? So there are, there are two things that I think are, are the biggest contributions to his his behavior. Uh, a, number one, he – essentially has been a guy with a chip on his shoulder ever since he came in the league. He was a six-round pick. He walked on at Central Michigan. So he is a guy who ever since his, ever since he has become or come into the NFL, has, no one has really given him that respect. So 
in order to fight that, he's been the hardest worker on the team. He's constantly uh, doing jugs, jugs or after practice, doing an, an exorbitant amount of detail-oriented uh, study with, with how he does his routes, making sure that he is a perfectionist in every aspect of the game. And that has attributed to him having six straight seasons of 100 catches or more, um, a ridiculous amount of yards, it just, this, this insane amount of consistent success that we've never seen uh, in the NFL. The other side of that is that when he's doing all that, he's working that hard, then you have a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster who is becoming more and more beloved in and around Pittsburgh uh, from his brand, from what he does, kind of his, you know, going around and trick-or-treating with people, uh, his, his YouTube videos. Uh, and this year he actually had more yards and more catches than Antonio Brown. Now, A.B. had 15 touchdowns, which is astronomical, but he had more yards and more, uh, more catches and was voted the team MVP on the Wednesday of when all of this started going down. So I think that there was – he didn't feel he was getting the respect he deserved. He then kind of went on his tangent and obviously did not handle the situation well, uh, went completely AWOL on the team, and then and uh, tried to get his agent to call Tomlin and see if he could play on Sunday, to which Tomlin said, that's not how we make decisions here. He's not playing. He can come and talk to me before the game. AB came, talked to him. It sounded like they had a good conversation, and then he left at halftime. So – it's been this, and to which the, the players looked at it like he quit on the team. And you're right. Like, that is something, that is probably the cardinal sin any player in any locker room can do where you don't show up for your team, especially a guy who is such a contributor to the team. So I think that that's part of it. Um, I think the other part is he's done all of these antics in order to try and get out of because if he doesn't feel he's respected there, then he wants to go someplace where he is truly the number one uncontested guy. Uh, I think it's ironic considering he literally watched this whole situation play out with Mike Wallace before he got his second contract there. Uh, Mike Wallace held out for an entire, an entire offseason, and then they – pulled that offer and put it right in front of AB, AB signed it. No one had really, he hadn't really proven himself at that point uh, to which everyone said, Oh, he's overpaying or he's being overpaid. It was like a $50 million contract for six years. And he overpaid that in year one. So I, I don't, I, I, I think that he just feels that he's not getting the respect he deserves in and around Pittsburgh. And he's trying to get out by doing some of the things that he's doing uh, that to force the team's hand to make a deal. Well, here, here's the thing. Antonio Brown is not going to be able to determine where he goes. He's not, he doesn't have that luxury of saying, this is where I want to go play. I'm going to go play there. So the Pittsburgh Steelers have the, uh, the trump card. But I, the Steelers have the trump card to, to play. Who do they play it on? Do they say, you know what, we got you under contract? Whether or not you show up or not, we did the same thing with Bell. Uh, I mean, they they can play the let's let's just play the the hardball game, or maybe it's time to start negotiating with some teams. Uh, also, uh, we'll see where Bell ends up at. Uh, but but you look at when players like Antonio Brown start acting like these divia, divas, even though they're great players just use the Indianapolis Colts, for example. We don't need Antonio Brown, but let's just say that we would, we would consider him here in Indianapolis or, or any team, just insert name here. 
once they start acting this way, it's like, uh, yeah, not really worth the other end of the spectrum. We are backing off. So, one, who does the Steelers talk to? Who are they talking to? And two, I mean, who, who really wants an Antonio Brown and what he's showing with his behaviors right now? Well, uh, Antonio Brown's contract situation makes it very interesting. Um, from a from a cap perspective on the Steelers' side, uh, they do they do contracts a little bit differently than every other team. They don't really give a whole bunch up front from a fully guaranteed side like many con- like many uh, teams do. So in his case, if they are to either cut him or trade him this year, they're looking at a twenty million dollar in debt money. They don't owe him any more money, but they can't pay him. Uh, tw- there's there's twenty two million dollars they can't pay to anyone. Um, but for a, from if they are to trade him to another team, then they're only looking at on Brown's current contract uh, just under thirteen million dollars uh, for the next couple of years. So for it's very advantageous for somebody to be looking at an all-pro receiver, even if he's going to turn thirty-one in July, for them to make that trade. So the, the there are plenty of teams that would be willing to do that. The other side of it, like you mentioned, is the Steelers are not going to be going even after a team like the Browns or like the, the Colts who could be a contender with the trying to get rid of him. Um, they're probably either going to look at a bad AF or an AFC or an NFC team or a bad AFC team. And as it stands, they're probably looking for at least a first round pick, a first round pick and something. And it depends on what the bidding war becomes, but you could look at a team like the the Redskins who are, and the Panthers who are both drafting like 15 and 16 this year, who could definitely use a number one wide receiver to go with their, with, with what they have that have the cap space to handle it. The Packers who have a whole bunch of cap space, who have two number one picks this year, or, and I think the most likely destination is probably Oakland who has five number one picks over the course of the next two seasons. Um, They have the most ammo. They don't have any playmakers. They are in the process of trying to build that roster into something flashy to move to Vegas and, player like Antonio Brown, let's be real honest, is probably the exact piece that they're looking for that is going to make Vegas a, a that is going to make a big splash as they move to Vegas. So for that, absolutely, you look at yeah. a first round pick this year and a first round pick next year, and you have and, and that deal is done. It's also going to be done very quickly because he's going to get three and a half million dollars by being on the roster after March 17th and the league year starts March 13th. So there's no reason for them to pay him that, that roster bonus if they're looking to move him. So within the first four days of the league year, if he moves, it's going to happen then. If he doesn't, then the Steelers are going to be trying to rekindle that relationship, taking their 37-year-old quarterback, putting the pieces back together and saying, we're going to try and roll this for a couple more years and see if we can make it work. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm glad you, you brought up Oakland because that was exactly who came to my mind. That's, that's just where he needs to be at or, or Vegas or whatever team you, that you want to talk about. Where does, that, where does Bale end up at here in 2019? Well, the, the, I really hope the Steelers, they could transition tag him, which I think is, is not a, a, a real good use of their money. Um, I think they could easily – that they're probably just going to let him go and take the compensatory pick, whatever that ends up being for the following year, third, third round, fourth round, whatever. Uh, but for him, I mean, a team like the Jets who are looking to give some playmakers to Sam Darnold, uh, a team like uh, I, I think the, the 49ers could do it, even though they made Matt Breida a kind of a star. Um, 
the Colts could do it, but I don't think that that falls within uh, Ballard's way of doing business. It's really just going to have to be a team that sees an obscene amount of value in the running back position or has a young quarterback that they're trying to put pieces around. And the Jets probably feel like the, the most real pick for him to go there. Maybe the Raiders as well. Um, they don't really have they don't really have a whole lot on the roster either, but it, there's you're looking around the league and maybe Tampa Bay. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of big fits that I see where people are definitely going to go. Yes, we want to spend that much on a running back. Well, you know, here's the thing. I think uh, Steelers fans will be saying uh, 2019. Uh, Bell, see ya, say la vis. Brown, see ya, say la vis. Let's get back to business. Let's stop this as the Steelers turn. One more piece to the soap opera. I know, uh, I know Mike Tomlin is loved there in, in Pittsburgh, and I know you've told me the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't knee-jerk reactors, but one of the things that I, you always got to say, you're the head coach. Well, the butt stops with you. When, when you, you get the gratification, loses you get you get the you get the uh, credit for the losses. Also, the way your players act uh, off the field, in the locker room, it, it lies on you. I know Mike Tomlin is the only, is the third coach in NFL history to reach 125 wins in 12 seasons. There's a lot of apologies uh, for Mike Tomlin. It's not his fault, and I know you said the Pittsburgh Steelers are knee jerk reactors, but you got to think if Mike Tomlin can't get. Uh, stuff in order there in Pittsburgh and you don't make the playoffs again next year, they might start looking at the opportunity to replace uh, Mike Tomlin. What are your thoughts on that? I would absolutely agree with that. I think that um, he's going to get next season. And depending on how the Antonio Brown situation is handled, depending on how the drama within the locker room, is it cold? Is it not? um, That's where, they're probably going to evaluate those situations very closely. The other side of it, and from the Steelers' perspective, you have Ben Roethlisberger, who they're going to sign him to an Ikea's one more year in his deal. They're going to extend him probably to two or three more seasons. And for him, if they are to move on from Tomlin, there's a low probability that Ben sticks around too. So I think those two are tied at the hip. Um, I think that, but I also realize that if the Steelers do terrible next season or they keep Brown and they can't keep everything in house and it's just a complete disaster, then the Steelers will not hesitate to pull that trigger. But they haven't also fired a coach in 50 years. Um, so I, I, I see that them giving him another opportunity to be able to prove that he really does have control of his team. And if he can't prove that, then I think it's time to move on. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think that he'll get at least next season to prove that. And if their show, and even with or without Brown, I think that they'll still be okay. You know, uh, 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 Tomlin's predecessor, Coach Cower, uh, certainly one of the greatest coaches of, of all time. You guys can point to some great coaches that you've had. Do you think Coach Cower, Coward, sorry, uh, or any, any other predecessing coaches that are that are still uh, around? are reaching out to Tomlin and trying to give him some advice or giving the Steelers some advice, or you think they're just staying out of the pipe? I think they're just staying out of the pipe. I mean, you have to understand that like Tomlin is a, is a, is a 
a predecessor of Tony Dungy. So I would not be shocked if he's reaching out to Tony to talk about how he dealt with situations. I mean, we know Tony Dungy dealt with plenty of big personalities when he was with the Colts, when he was with the the, uh, the Buccaneers. So I'm sure that there's definitely conversations that are happening. Um, but the other thing to note, I mean, even with Cower, you look at how legendary the coach was. He had three straight losing seasons uh, for the and, and and then Steelers gave him an extension. So even looking at at the historical components of his time there, it very much um, it, it you have to kind of, of look at that with a grain of salt as well. So that's the type of, of, of history that they've had, and for them, they're really looking to make sure that uh, they make the right decision moving forward. And also they have to look at the future. Like, is there a coach that makes more sense than him? So it's not just a moving on, it's a moving on and moving on to whom. So there's, there's a very big step pro there's a two step process there that they have to evaluate that um, many people, when they look to say fire Tomlin, don't look at the other thing of, okay, but who are we tired? Well, I, I, speaking of moving on, I know you got to move on down the road, got to jimmy on down the road. But, hey, Kyle, real quickly, Colts today against the Houston. You've got, you've got Seattle uh, to, later on today, and you've got a great game tomorrow, the Eagles and the Bears. I mean, as this wild card weekend shapes out, who stays alive, who, who, who goes home? Uh, I think the Colts are going to be the Texans. I, I mean, TJ, they're uh... – They've done so well. Hilton has just really owned them in the past few, few seasons. Uh, I think that they, they can come in and their their defense is able to attack uh, Deshaun Watson and that terrible offensive line the Texans have. Um, I see the Bears ending Nick Foles' uh, reign of superiority. Uh, I think their defense is just too good, and I think that they'll be able to really to really uh, take him down. Um, the, uh, the Chargers and the uh, the Ravens is going to be a really intriguing game. I think the Chargers are so good right now that I see them taking them out. And uh, the last game, I mean, I'm, I'm going all, all, uh, all fifth and sixth seeds here, and or and except for the Bears. But uh, I think that you have a big, a bunch of big upsets that you're looking at. So I, I, I think it's going to be a great weekend. And uh, I, I have or the Seahawks against the or the Cowboys. I think they're going to take them out too. Uh, the Cowboys have won like three playoff games in 20 years. I don't expect that changing. So, well, so I think that, uh, we're, we're looking at a whole lot of uh, road victories here, and that's going to make the rest of the season look real interesting. Well, we'll certainly hope the Colts can win today. I, a lot of uh, one game at a time, as Coach Reich uh, says. But I tell you what, it does look good for them. T.Y. Hilton has always owned uh, Houston, and I, I know he's dealing with an ankle injury, but we're, we're ignoring that right now. So we're gonna we're gonna keep moving forward. Kyle Courtney, Super uh, Colts fan. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, hey, you're on the Colts bandwagon now. Super Steelers fan, thanks for joining us, sir. Uh, and uh, we'll be uh, chatting with you soon, buddy. And he's gone. All right, my name's Tom Mark with President. <laughs> we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hopefully, I think we're going to get into some NBA talk. Uh, we're efforting to, to uh, get a hold of um, Grant Alstiff. Uh, uh, I know he's out in Arizona, and he's a, he's a college student. So uh, we may or may not have him, but uh, certainly coming up here uh, in just a, a few minutes, we're going to have Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, we are going to break down this game tomorrow about the Eagles and the Bears and the AFC Wild Card uh, uh, Weekend. It's getting good right here on the Balance Radio Network.
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Back to the ballots. My name is Tom Michael President. One hour in the books, and we got another hour to go. 
Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, and also he wears some multiple hats with us from the calling up from WSBT uh, in Notre Dame country, flagship station for the Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish, as well as the Chicago Bears. So he was talking with us a little bit about the fall of uh, Notre Dame. I mean, how dis- if you're a Notre Dame fan, I, I, I am. I have to admit that. I mean, I'm an, I'm an IU uh, alumni and loyalist, if you will. Uh, but I like to watch Notre Dame. I mean, they're located here. We're, we're located, for those of you that don't know, I know we're a national show, but we're located here in Indianapolis, Indiana, high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of homer when it comes to Indiana, but it was very disappointing to see uh, the loss of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I mean, we, we thought, uh, as, we, as we talked about Notre Dame all year long, we thought that it would come down to Clemson and Notre Dame, uh, and it did. It did exactly what a lot of us forecasted uh, would happen. But the disappointing thing is that what happened with Notre Dame is they just completely were dismantled uh, by the Clemson Tigers. They, they just completely dominated. The result of that, we have a, a, a case now. Uh, a case study, if you will, that says, "Hey, we've got our college football playoffs exactly in the in the spot that they need to be at, and where they want to be at. Uh, and and do we want to move them? Do we want to move them past a uh, fourteen playoff? Uh, if we did, we would see teams like UCF, for example, uh, getting into the the playoffs." Or do we want to dominate and control uh, the playoff process? Uh, and right now, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, right now that is dominated in, in the South. And uh, you know, you you look at your, that's why you have teams like your Alabama, like your Clemson. Uh, you, you have a true number one and number two team in the in the, in the championship. And I think your goal when you put together a playoff system. Your goal is to have exactly that, two of the best teams in the country playing for a national championship. So from that aspect, we'll say the committee got it right. Maybe we just are always so quick to judge the committee, air quotes, that we, we forget about what their main job is to do, and it's to be an exciting job. We realize it's you know money and and advertising dollars and you know maybe maybe America as a whole uh, doesn't want to see uh, a UCF and a Washington for example in a uh, in a national championship. But if at the end of the day, if what we want to see in a national championship is two of the best teams in the nation going at it to win a national championship. Well, that's why we have the Super Bowl, because we have the two best teams that evolved from the playoff system. Um, That's why we have March Madness. You have two of the best teams evolve from the playoff system. Uh, So the playoff system, uh, how many times can I say system, uh, works. The, the, The question that we will always ask ourselves, is it working the way we want it to work because you're never going to make everybody happy all the time uh we've talked about it on this show many 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 times and you know here, here's the 
the thing. And yet March Madness, we always look at those bubble teams and the teams that are on the bubble that did not make it in uh, in the month of March. That that got invited to the NIT uh, or didn't even make a tournament whatsoever. And we look at the NIT perhaps as, well, you weren't good enough to get into the March Madness, but you were good enough to be considered for a tournament. So we'll take we'll take your leftovers. We'll take your crumbs. And the NIT is is like that. What we want is we want to see the best teams in a tournament. We want to see the best teams that can come together. But there's always going to be that sector, and it's usually probably the fan base of said sector. There's always going to be that sector that says, you know, we should have gotten in. We got snubbed because of an Ohio State, or we got snubbed because of our strength of schedule. Well, that's that's a whole different argument when we talk about strength of schedule. Do we want – I mean, when we're talking about Division One, and I know we've got other divisions out there as well, uh, so not to minimize those, but when, we're, when we talk about college football, college basketball, uh, we're talking about Division One schools. Do we want – I mean – what happens is you don't have an Alabama playing an IU, for example. It just doesn't happen. Could happen, and there's ways for that to happen. But in theory, it just doesn't happen. You have Alabama's playing the toughest teams in the nation. And that said, that's why they get the top rankings, because they beat the toughest team in the nation. So – where do we go wrong at whether we have a four, uh, four-team playoff or a 16-team play, playoff? Or, and there's those that would say an eight. I'm, I'm on the fence between four and six. I'm not exactly convinced that we need to go to an eight-team uh, playoff with the, um, with the college football sector. But I wouldn't be opposed to looking at that. But I think we are at a point where maybe, because we do have teams like UCF, and we, we do have other bowl games that are already in place that could be used as part of, a, as, as part of an elimination process to get to that six-game process, team process. So there's a lot of factors that come into it, and we're not going to solve the problem today. But it was curious, and, and it, it was very interesting uh, to see Notre Dame be completely undefeated, have a great season, we all know that Notre Dame fans are the lot, well, maybe next to Ohio State fans or some other fan bases out there, but we all know that Notre Dame fans make themselves very well known. Nine one seven eight nine eight five one six is our digits if you want to call in and, and, and chat with us. But it was very interesting to see that happen. And, you know, what we just saw happen was a very, very, very good uh, freshman quarterback out of Clemson uh, that we that we talked about earlier. Um, Trevor Lawrence just completely be able to read and dismantle the Notre Dame defense. And so what happens is now we have the two, we have a number one and a number two team in the national championship. So we move over to the other side of the, of the fence and the other side of the argument. We say that, that the committee did it right. They, they allowed this to happen so that we could have, best teams fight for a national championship and that's what we're going to see happen Monday night Monday night and uh, 
I, I'm going to jump on, like I said earlier to Matthew, I said, you know, here's the thing. I saw Clemson be able to, to beat a very, very good Notre Dame team. I've seen Alabama struggle throughout the entire year. I, I know you Alabama fans, uh, speaking of the loudest fans in the group, but uh, I know you Alabama fans are, are all on board for another championship and God knows that Nick Saban is your, your Messiah and has, has, has taken you to the promised land, if you will. Uh, so credit due is to credit is due, but I don't see Alabama winning a national championship on Monday night against a very good Clemson team. That said, the Clemson Tigers have to have to have all phases of the game firing at, in, in sync and doing what they need to do. If they can on Monday night and they play the game uh, against the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, the way that they played the game against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they are definitely, definitely in the wheelhouse to win a championship in 2019. So we'll see what happens. Hey, welcome to 2019. The, the, the NFL playoffs are here, and uh, we're ready to talk about some NFL. We're going to be here in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, going to be breaking down that game tomorrow in Chicago in the Windy City. Come on, guys. Let's give some love to the Eagles. And then, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Colts homer, a guilty as charged. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be fun to watch these, these Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Ed and I uh, talk often off mic, and uh, we kind of made the joke, man, wouldn't it be nice to, to uh, hang out in Atlanta together uh, this year for the Super Bowl? It would be, wouldn't it? The, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> So much has to happen before that would ever happen. But one of the things the Philadelphia Eagles have to do is they have to beat a very, very, very good Chicago Bears team. And Mitchell Trubisky uh, is just, you know, running the field and taking charge. And they uh, they have really done what they need to do. So we don't want to blow all the steam talk uh, out of our, our uh, you know, on, on, on a lot of stuff. But, uh, you know, until we get into the the segment uh, formally, uh, the segment of formally, um, but and my God, today guys, today if you're listening to us live, it's Saturday. If you're listening to our podcast, thank you very much. And and by the way, if you haven't already hit subscribe, go ahead and do that. That helps us. Uh, 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 make sure that we 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 know you're out there. Uh, so you, and remember, you can get our podcast on any of the platforms, Apple. Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, any of the major platforms, podcast platforms that are out there, we are out there, and we and you can you can get us. So uh, certainly, if you got a phone, just download the TuneIn app or the Stitcher app. If you got an Apple phone, it's just go to your your podcast, type in the balance, and then hit subscribe, and. It's like magic. Every time that we are uh, done with our show, our live show, it's just a matter of a little bit of time. It, it's started over to the podcast and to all of the platforms. And you can just hit listen. You can listen to it 
at work, in your car, wherever you want to. But if you're listening to us live uh, right now, uh, it is Saturday morning, 10, 12 a.m. Eastern Time in Indianapolis, Indiana, where we broadcast Science Top of the Balance Radio Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. We are ready to take on the Houston Texans in Houston this afternoon. A great, great matchup. We're going to get into all of that, and we're going to break down all of that, I promise you, here in the next few minutes. But we don't want to blow all of our steam away. <laughs> then we won't have anything to talk about in the other segment. But it's going to be exciting. I, you know, and I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to win 27-21. It's going to be a tie. Obviously, uh, you know, we, the, the Texans have Watson. But, you know, look at look at where the Indianapolis Colts have came from a one-in-five situation to the first game. Okay, as Frank Reich says, we take one game at a time. Well, let's not look past that, but let's do this for a second. We'll, 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 we'll play some feel-good stuff. The, the Indianapolis Colts can definitely beat the Houston Texans. It's been proven. T.Y. Hilton owns the Houston Texans. As I mentioned earlier, yes, he has a ankle injury. How concerned are we about that? Well, we are concerned. Yeah, we are. We're definitely concerned. Let's not let's not ignore it. But here's the thing: it's the playoffs, baby. It's the playoffs. And really, by 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 all accounts. Every player is so different in the playoffs. It was like, you know, well, the playoffs don't really mean anything unless you get to the Super Bowl. Well, you have to go through the process of getting to the Super Bowl. And it all starts with the playoffs. We're a one-in-five team. Nobody, everybody had marked us off for death again this year. Uh, granted, I, I think everybody thought in a couple of years we would be where we're at now. But we are so far, when I say we, all right, I'm going to take a homer moment here. When we say we, I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, but the Indianapolis Colts are so far ahead of time, ahead of pace, ahead of schedule. How exciting is that? It, this city is just electric. You know, we haven't been in a playoff game <laughs> what, for several years, several years, and we've been on the struggle bus. And is everything perfect now? No. I mean, but, oh my God, let's look at what's about to happen this afternoon, 4.30 Eastern in Houston, Texas. The Indianapolis Colts are going to take the field, and, oh, my God, it's going to be good. But the Indianapolis Colts have to win today. And I think they can. T.Y., we, we – we, 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 you know, we need him. Or just like we need Andrew Luck. I mean, obviously, T.Y. Hilton is one of the most accomplished wide receivers in the NFL. We were talking earlier about wide receivers being divas. There are definitely exceptions to that rule, and we're fortunate enough to have that in T.Y. Hilton. Of course, every wide receiver wants the ball. Of course, every wide receiver thinks they can score on every play. But let's, let's face reality here. Every time... Okay, not 100% of the time, but let's say a high percentage of the time that Andrew Luck targets T.Y. Hilton. They connect. And when they connect, 
they just moved the ball on down the field, on down the field. And I, I, I tell you what, I think at it, it third, third down conversions, Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton is one of the highest in the league. So we got we got to let that happen today. Also, our defensive line, one of the best in the league. Seriously. I mean, you know, we talked about many times the problems of the, that the Indianapolis faced was they, they're not doing anything on the defensive line. They're not doing anything good on the defense. Well, they, we can't say that. In fact, if it wasn't for defense, a lot of us, uh, you know, especially you look at, at, at Hooker getting that, that game win against the, the Giants. My God, that was a great game. I was there. Let me tell you, it was electric. And so our defense, the Indianapolis Colts defense, have have done it. So here's what happens. Presuming that Kansas City, well, they will because they got the first round by. So we will play them, presuming that we win uh, against the Houston Texans. And I think we can beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. How far does this train go? We are excited. We're going to find out. Definitely, we are going to find out. But, my God, it is so exciting. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to watch the game at today. Uh, I, I'm going to go somewhere. I, I was going to probably watch it here at the house, but i got to get out of the house. i got to get out. Get out and do something. Anyway, so... If you're going to watch it, talk about it, 917-889-8516. So the NFL playoffs are here. We're going to be talking with our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, with the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles. Here briefly, also a moment to be a sports show is going to be joining us as well in in the last segment of the show. But I tell you what. I know there's a lot of other scenarios out there, and we're just going to kind of hover around some of these scenarios, if you will. But let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture. As we look at it right now, uh, I lost my page. That's what happens sometimes. Let's just get into this um, NFL bracket. Stand by. Of course, you got the Dallas Cowboys. You got the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. See, this is what happens when you go on a rant and you just you just totally let your your computer freeze up. <laughs> but hey, it's Saturday morning. Grab a cup of coffee. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens here with the <laughs> rest of the show. We shall we shall survive. As they say, this too shall uh, shall pass. So again, we talked a little bit about the Colts and the Texans four thirty uh, today uh, as well. I mean, let's go Colts. I mean, look versus Texans two deep coverage in two regular season meetings. The Texans rolled to cover two cover two out of their, their dime personnel in the third down situation. So look for Frank Reich and the Colts to to 
twist the picture a little bit, if you will, uh, on that. And we'll see what happens. Again, we, we want we want to save some steam for um, the rest of the show. Now, if you're a betting man like myself, and Mo will be joining us a little bit later on here, and we're going to be talking about who to bet, who not to bet. Let me just make an important comment about betting. I like to bet. I know a lot of you like to bet. Do it responsibly. Do you have to be told that? I mean, it's like drinking. Do you have to be told to drink responsibly? <laughs> it's like paying your taxes. Do you have to be told to pay your taxes? It's like paying your bills. Do you have Do you have to be told to be an adult? But no, in all seriousness, it's all joking aside. Uh, have fun with it. But if, if you are a betting person, the Colts are five and zero and one against the spread, and five and one straight up in the past six meetings in Houston. This includes a 24-21 win over the Texans as a 4.5 underdog in week 14. So, I'm just saying, is it, is it a guarantee bet? No, but if you want a safe bet, if you want a good bet, then uh, go with the Indianapolis Colts. Let's see, we got today, obviously, we've got the the, the Seahawks or the Cowboys, there again, we have a number four and a number five team, a number four team with the Cowboys, a number five team with the Seahawks. That's 8-15 tonight on Fox. Uh, but everybody knows the Cowboys like to run the ball. We saw the, the, the Cowboys get shut out by the Indianapolis Colts. If that didn't show you something about the Indianapolis Colts, when you are definitely sleeping underneath a, a rock. Uh, but the Seahawks, they really like to run the ball. Uh, and Seattle's 25, 2,560 regular season rushing yards led the NFL and made the Cowboys 1,963, still a, a top-10 number. Um, Seattle is even averaging 2.77 rushing yards per carry before uh, the first contact, which is better than the 2.65 uh with with the Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys, so keep an eye on that. So really, what it what it what it amounts to is the Dallas Cowboys have to stop the running game. That's that's exactly what happens uh, as well. So Cowboys, and we stand by for Ed Kratz. If the Cowboys are to advance to the divisional round. Uh, they will need much more uh, than what they've produced against uh, the Seahawks recently in losses the Seattle, to Seattle in 2015, 2017, and September of this season. The Cowboys have scored one touchdown and 33 drives. Still, uh, their past two games, they've scored two touchdowns and five of their past seven in the red zone trips. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants do not have defenses like Seattle, uh, but the Cowboys believe they have the momentum offensively. A lot of people think Seattle will win this game, and I happen to be one of those. I think that that this is one of those games that uh, you know it, it's it, we we talk about the the New England Patriots on the on the AFC side. It's like the C- Seattle Seahawks. Um, on the now the, the Dallas Cowboys are playing at home, but it's like the Seattle Seahawks always find a way to be there. Now that said, the Dallas Cowboys are definitely looking uh, to to make a, a a deep playoff appearance, and and I know that they're they're looking to uh, 
to do that. Tomorrow. Yes, there is a tomorrow. There's always a tomorrow, right? We've got the San Diego Chargers against the Baltimore Ravens at the Ravens. Number Again, number five, number four uh, team. Point spread is um, minus three matchup. I tell you what, these teams met just a couple weeks ago, and Baltimore got the better of the matchup. But I tell you what, I really like Phillip Rivers this year. Phillip Rivers is finally winning some important games. Phillip Rivers is finally doing what it takes to get into the playoffs. Phillip Rivers is finally earning his paycheck, maybe? I don't know. Was it, was it the change of scenery, maybe? Uh, and I said San Diego Chargers because I'm always going to say San Diego Chargers. And so I apologize to those people who now know the San Diego Chargers as the Los Angeles Chargers. But in my mind, they're always the San Diego Chargers. I, some, some habits are hard to break. So uh, we're going to take Speaking of break, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Mo from the BS Sports Show. And Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be breaking down Wild Card Weekend. That's right. It's here. We'll be right back. Tonight, I just want to take you The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. 
Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the Palace. My name is Tom Marquisel, President. Hey, it is time to get this wild card weekend kicked off, and we're going to do it in style. Joining us now is both the BS Sports Show and Ed Kratz, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, our official NFL contributor. Uh, he writes for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with the W uh, at the Sports Change W dot Football Maven slash Eagles. Ed and Mo, how are you guys? Are you are you with me? Hey, good, great. I'm doing great, Tom. Hey, Mo. Mo, are hey, you there? All right, here. guys. It is time. Welcome to 2019. And guess who's, who's playing in 2019? It's the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, we're going to start with them, but we're going to start with them because it's the first game of the day. Indianapolis Colts at Houston. We'll start with you, uh, Ed, and then we'll go to you, Mo. Ed. The Indianapolis Colts have earned a spot in the playoff. They had to win, and they're in. They won, and they're in. And they have dominated Houston. I know we're dealing with an injury with T.Y. Hilton, but as we break down this game today, this afternoon at 4.30, the Colts at Houston, what has to happen on both sides of the fence here? Uh, Give us the X's and O's, the Colts and the Texans. Yeah, uh, well, you, like you said, you know, they, they have played well against Houston. They went down earlier this year and kept their season alive, uh, winning in Houston. Um, you know, to me, and I mentioned this before, I think the Colts are one of the great stories of, of this season, going from one and five uh, to where they are now. Um, whatever happens from the Colts from here on out, it's just kind of it's gravy for them because they're a young team, first year under Frank Reich. Uh, the arrow is definitely pointing up. You know, give them another off season to get some draft picks in there and you know some free agents uh and then they could really take off next year i know not a lot of people are giving them much of a chance uh to go on a little run here to make it to the super bowl but you know it's certainly a winnable game in houston because the the colts have won there and you know they have andrew luck who belongs in the mvp conversation as well as the comeback player of the year conversation uh on the other side you have deshaun watson who's making uh his first uh playoff appearance i believe so uh we'll see how he does in his first uh crack at this um, but, you know, I really do like that Houston defense an awful lot uh, with J.J. Watt. Uh, he's also in the comeback player of the year conversation with Luck. Uh, but he's having a terrific year. Jadavian Clown, he's having a great year. Uh, I like some of the things their secondary does. And, you know, this is a game with all, obviously all the chips are on the line here. And uh, I don't, you know, I think the Colts will give them a game. But I just think Houston at home um, is, is going to find a way to win this game. But, again, the Colts are playing with house money here. Uh, they, they've had a terrific season, a great run. They don't want it to end 
uh, but I think it will end sometime, and I think it ends today in Houston. Mo, let's hope, let's hope you're wrong on that, Ed. Usually I want you to be right, but <laughs> I I, 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 you're wrong now. Mo, uh, welcome to 2019. We're talking about the Colts. Uh, you know, the, the, let's talk a little bit about the rookies, uh, Mo. Uh, uh, Nelson and Leonard become the first all-pro rookie states uh, in the NFL since 1965. And as far as the rookies, have have got the highest snap. So we have, we're talking about the draft. You know, we, we do a great job with our, 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 our rookies, and obviously our number one pick was Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame. I don't think anybody is, is disappointed by that. Kelly's back under center today. Obviously, he's not a, he's not a rookie. What are your thoughts on the rookie impact, and what are your thoughts about the Colts and the Texans today? Well, I mean, uh, obviously these rookies have been huge, being both being all pros. Uh, you know, Quentin Nelson was probably the second biggest no-brainer in the draft after Saquon Barkley. So uh, he was an obvious pick. And finally, the Colts uh, realized that, hey, you know, we have a quarterback we pay a lot of money to who can be really good. We should probably protect him. So they pick up Quentin Nelson. And I think, uh, you know, where Chris Ballard really earned his money this year was drafting a guy, uh, Darius Leonard, who has been amazing. He's fast and he's fiery. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned it. I think the key to this game today for the Colts is going to be uh, the fact that their center, Ryan Kelly, is back, and, and they've played much better. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck, for uh, the good first part of the season, was the least sacked quarterback in the NFL, and a lot of that uh, started with Ryan Kelly at center. And where he's missed the last few games, the Colts haven't been so good on protection and haven't been the best at running the football. But I think with him back today, uh, that does help Andrew Luck and his offense significantly. Uh, I think one thing for their defense, because their defense is fast and young, uh, that does help with a, a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, where you saw their last game in Houston uh, about a month ago, uh, where they were able to get some pressure on Deshaun Watson because of this fast, young defense. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I'm going to, uh, for the first time I think ever, disagree with that. I think the Colts will pull it out uh, Andrew Luck's <laughs> second home in, in Houston today. And you know, because uh, uh, you, you're the you're you're the expert here, but you know, you got to think that it, that experience in the playoff comes a long way. So the good thing we were talking about rookies, but we also have a lot of experienced players that that have been there, done that before. But we also have veterans on the team who have never played in a playoff game. So, but there's one guy that knows a about a big playoff. That's Frank Reich. Remember, back with the Buffalo Bills, one of the biggest uh, comebacks ever against the Houston Oilers. Uh, Kelly, uh, uh, Kelly couldn't play. Reich came in. He was the backup quarterback. Won one of the biggest comeback games in playoff history in the NFL. So if there's one guy, and you're very familiar with Frank Reich, if there's one guy that knows how to prepare a team for the playoffs, it's Frank Reich. Yeah, right. Not only as a backup quarterback, but riding shotgun with Doug Peterson last year on the way to the uh... – you know, to the Eagles Super Bowl win, you know, he had a, you know, he's used to game planning in the postseason. So, yeah, that, that could go a long way. Um, you know, and I, and look, I, you know, the Colts could win this game. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. I just, you know, to me, the Texans playing at home, and I know it's kind of been more of a second home for the Colts. And, um, you know, Mo makes great points with the speedy de- defense of the Colts being able to keep up with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, the Colts can find a way. I, you know, there's something to be said about being battle tested and playoff hardened and all that. And, you know, Reich certainly has that experience as the head coach. And, you know, Luck has been in the postseason before. And, you know, he's having certainly a storybook season. Um, and you hate to kind of see, like I said, you hate to kind of see it end for him. So um, they're, they're, a live, they're a live dog to win this thing. And it wouldn't surprise me, but I, there's something just about Houston. I think I just love that defense, the way they play. 
um, that, that will find a way to, to take advantage of what the Colts will do offensively. Yeah, like, it's a perfect segue over to, let's just say, saying, uh, know your foe, if you will. And uh, uh, in our case, it's the Houston Texans. And um, well, we'll start with you. Let's talk a little bit about the lethal weapons that, that the Houston Texans have. Let's face it, they have some of the best players in the league. And, uh, you know, they certainly have a, a very, very, very good quarterback. Uh, they, are, they have a good defensive line, as, as Ed just mentioned. So help us uh, get to know the, the Houston Texans. And really, uh, let's, let's not discount because they do have some very open. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love DeAndre Hopkins uh, from the Houston Texans, their wide receiver, uh, for numerous reasons. But, uh, you know, today as well, he's uh, donating his playoff game check to that uh, family in Houston where uh, the seven-year-old girl was shot in the parking lot of Walmart about a week ago. Oh, wow. Uh, so just that. a good dude off the field, too. Um, but, you know, this guy quietly – uh, is one of the top receivers in the NFL. He doesn't make a lot of noise what to for off-the-field things. He goes to work and does his job, and he is so good. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it doesn't even matter. It seems if you double-team him, I think big for the Colts today on defense will be shutting down Lamar Miller and that Houston run game because we saw a couple of games this year where Lamar Miller just ran crazy. And if you can shut down that run game and force Deshaun Watson and try to beat you in the passing game, uh, I think it will make it a little bit easier for the Colts. It's when that running game gets going that it makes that uh, those Deshaun Watson big plays, uh, you know, they seem to happen a lot more. So uh, I think it's big for the Colts' defense today to, to shut down the running game so they can focus on uh, Deshaun Watson in that, in that pass game. Uh, you, you, know, you said it defensively. They're so good on that front line. Uh, you know, Ed mentioned that their, their secondary does some fun things too, and they do some uh, real fun blitzes with that secondary. Uh, you know, a big key in the game last time when the Colts beat him at home was some uh, untimely pennies from Jadavion Clowney jumping off sides. And uh, him, along with guys like Miles Garrett, try to get that early start and tend to take a lot of those uh, offsides penalties. But, you know, Jadavion Clowney had them in the last game against the Colts at home and some untimely spots, and it helped the Colts to victory. So, uh, look for Andrew Luck and the Colts to try to continue to pull uh, Jadavion Clowney and uh, his uh, his uh, phonetic energy offsides today. Well, Ed, we, I don't think that the Houston's are going to be fooled by Hart again uh, by Andrew Luck, but they might. But again, help us uh, get to get to know our foe. I mean, the the Houston Texans have some very very lethal weapons. You mentioned their their uh, defensive line that we've got watching, but also we talk about defense. So let's not discount the the Colts defense as well. Uh, they're a big part of the reason why we're at. But you are right. The 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 Houston's defense is very aggressive, and we know that they use spies uh, as far as that goes. And how does the Colts? Uh, counterbalance that, but nonetheless, let's jump on the on the on the Texans band, bandwagon because we do have uh, a lot of listeners in in the Houston area. So it, let's let's jump on their bandwagon for a minute. If you're if you're a Houston Texans fan, what are you looking for today from your team? Well, you, you know, you're looking to make life difficult for Andrew Luck. You know, and Luck has done a good job of, of getting that ball out early. But uh, you know, the the, uh, the Texans are very good at taking away the the football, um, you know, they're second in the league in that giveaway takeaway category at, uh, I think they're at plus 13, um, which is right behind the Seahawks at plus 15. And that means that they've taken the ball away 13 more times and they've given it up. Houston is very good at taking care of the ball. They've only thrown nine interceptions and they've only lost seven fumbles and, you know, but their defense has, has picked off uh, enemy passers 15 times and recovered 14 fumbles. So they're very good at ball hawking. Um, you know, there's 29 
uh, forced turnovers are, I think, third in the league. So, you know, Houston is going to try to make sure uh, Luck doesn't have a lot of time, and when he does get the ball out quickly, that they are right there on the spot to make a tackle to prevent any yards uh, after the catch. Uh, and then they're going to look to take the ball away. You know, they're going to try to strip it away from anybody that has the ball. They're going to try to sack Luck. They're going to uh, try to force him into a bad decision where they can uh, intercept the pass, and they're going to try to shorten the field that way uh, to make it uh, not as difficult on Deshaun Watson uh, to uh, have to drive very far to put points on the board. So, you know, that's the key to that defense. That's kind of what they've been doing all year is kind of living off the takeaway. Um, and then they're very good coming out of halftime, you know, that when they came to Philadelphia a couple weeks ago and lost, they were 31-1 and uh, coming out of halftime with the lead. Um, now they had the lead against Philadelphia and Philadelphia and the Eagles were able to come back. So now they're 31 and two, but uh, they're very good at holding a lead if they have it at halftime. So for the Colts, they're going to need to probably have to fast start here. Otherwise they're going to have to buck the trend uh, if they're trailing at halftime and try to come back and win that game. We're going to move on to the other big game tonight on Fox Nets, uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let you lead off, Mo, on this. Uh, obviously, the Indianapolis Colts shut out Dallas, uh, but Dallas is a very good team this year. Uh, always the Seattle Seahawks, as I talked about a little bit earlier. I look at the Seattle Seahawks like those pesky uh, New England Patriots. They always find a way to get into the playoffs and to win. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have proven that they ha- have what it takes to be in the playoff uh, hunt. Uh, but I tell you what, I just think that the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a little bit too much uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's break down the X's and O's, the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think you look at two very underrated defenses here coming in. You know, this, uh, this Dallas defense has improved drastically in the last couple of years, and I think the addition of a healthy Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch has helped tremendously uh, in that linebacking core. You look at a Seattle defense that uh, has lost pretty much every member uh, from the Legion of Boom days, uh, and they've had a, a tremendous season as the season has gone on. Uh, you know, one thing for Dallas is, you know, since they've uh, brought in Amari Cooper, they've, uh, they've done pretty well in getting figuring out a way uh, to work him in, into the offense. Uh, and then, you know, you look at a Dallas team, too, that, that's uh, winners of lots of close games, and, and I think that's important this time of year when you get into the playoffs. Uh, you get a team that, that wins close games. Uh, and that's important. So uh, I think Dallas wins at home. I think, uh, you know, Dak is really looking to avenge uh, the disappointment uh, last time they were in the playoffs at home, uh, but uh, hopefully doesn't try to force things. Uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, what Jason Garrett can dial up today. I think uh, it's a Cowboys win, but uh, it, it's, I think it's a close game. And it wouldn't shock me to see Seattle win either, but uh, I think there's a lot right on the line for Dallas at home. Ed, let's, let's talk a little bit about Garrett. You know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people thought Garrett was on the hot seat. This was it. Uh, now, he's got himself into the playoffs and, and, and probably likely saved his job for another year. Uh, but Jason Garrett has a lot to prove to the Dallas Cowboy organization and ownership, for that matter. And I know that uh, he's been uh, uh, Jimmy's little love child, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, I think it's, it's come to a time where he has to earn his keep, if you will, and, and they're, they're close to doing that. What are your thoughts on Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys? So I, I, I know Mo is looking for a Dallas Cowboys win, but I just think the Seattle Seahawks, they're always there. They always find a way to win, and until they prove me different, uh, and, and we have an unproven team in the playoffs, at least recently with the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to have to go with the Seattle Seahawks. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 certainly a pick 'em game, and you know, Mo really kind of touched on a lot of the highlights. You, you know, this Dallas defense uh, since they put Leighton Van Der Esch in a linebacker uh, next to Jalen Smith, and really it only happened because Sean Lee uh, went through another year where he couldn't stay healthy, and so they put their rookie in, uh, the rookie first round pick, uh, and he's, you know, he certainly proved to be the answer at linebacker. But this defense of Dallas, uh, you know, they've only given up. Uh, they've given up the second fewest points in the NFL. And if you ask any defensive coordinator what the most important stat is, that is it, is points allowed. And Dallas has done a good job of limiting points. And then they have found a way, like Mo said, to win those close games. Every one of their wins has been by a touchdown or less. And when you get into a, a postseason where things are played, you know, close to the vest and, you know, you're playing tight games, that experience will serve them well. And you're right about the Seahawks. You, you kind of count them out, and Pete Carroll deserves to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. Uh, it's a clear advantage for the Seahawks. Carroll uh, probably can coach circles around Jason Garrett. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what Jason Garrett does during the game, except wear a headset and clap his hands a lot, and you know, encourage his players. <laughs> but uh, you know, but this was a team in turmoil. They were three and five coming out of that loss on Monday night against the Titans. Uh, looked very bad, and then they came to Philadelphia. And the Eagles gave them life. They Dallas came into the Lincoln Financial Field and beat the Eagles. Go, they go on a run, um, uh, save Garrett's job. But when everybody was calling for it, it certainly looked like uh, the Eagles won that game. Jason Garrett might not have been on the plane back to Dallas, but Dallas won. They kept winning. Uh, and, and you know, I think they were an under the radar team in this postseason. You know, when you look for a for a team other than those top two seeds that are you know spending this weekend uh, sitting at home waiting to see who their opponent will be. Uh, you know, I like the Dallas Cowboys as one of the dark horses in this NFC hunt. Uh, you know, paint, I'm sure it'll paint every Eagles fan in Philadelphia to, to hear that, but uh, I, I do think Dallas has some components here, especially after adding Amari Cooper. They've gone 7-2 and two, uh, since they traded for him. Um, you know, I just think that they're kind of an under-the-radar team that can make some noise in this postseason. Okay, but let's let's uh, let's look at both of these teams, guys. We'll start with the, with the Seattle Seahawks, and let's uh, get both of your thoughts on each of these teams individually, and then we'll move on to tomorrow's big games. Uh, and I know uh, Ed is very eager to talk about uh, that game, and uh, certainly about the game against Dallas uh, that with the with the uh, with the Eagles as well. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Seattle Seahawks. Help us get to know who they are, what they're about, and what they can do to what what the x's and o about the seattle seahawks well i mean the seattle seahawks tend to to go as russell wilson goes uh, you know we've we've all talked about uh you know his elusiveness how he keeps plays going he just has that thing in him that uh, when it comes crunch time he's able to make plays to get them a win uh you know i, I think the fun thing to look at this year though is the defense of the seahawks they've gotten rid of uh you know some of those older guys the legion of boom is no more but uh, you know they've they've put some guys in the secondary who've been who've played very well this year. Uh, Frank Clark has been good for them. But then you look at the the amazing season that Bobby Wagner has had uh, at linebacker, and I think that that's uh, that's the key for their defense. He's he's the Russell Wilson of the defense. As he goes, that defense tends to go. He always finds a way to get to the ball, uh, to get that ball in his hands, to get it taken away. Uh, you know he's had uh, interceptions for touchdowns this year. Uh, he's forced fumbles, recovered fumbles. Uh, he just kind of does it all and. I think that's big for them. Uh, when he's getting pressure on the, on the cornerback, uh, there tends to be a lot of mistakes made. And, you know, Dak's a guy who uh, who was mistake-prone at times. So I think if you get Dak flustered early, 
uh, with this defense. It could be a long day for the Cowboys. Ed, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, help us get to know who they are, what they're about, and then we'll get into uh, tomorrow's games, I think, because we all know uh, what the Dallas Cowboys are about. But go, go right ahead, Ed. Yeah, I, I think something that has really helped Seattle this year is their running game. You know, when the Seahawks were going to those back-to-back Super Bowls, they had Marshawn Lynch, uh, who was really able to help take some of the pressure uh, off uh, Russell Wilson. Um give more of a threat of a run game. And, you know, the Seahawks have that this year with the emergence of uh, Chris Carson, who uh, ended up fifth in the league in rushing uh, this season. He had over, uh, you know, almost 1,100 yards. Actually, he had over 1,100 yards, and he scored nine touchdowns. So, you know, when you have a running game, that's always the best friend of a quarterback. And, you know, Russell Wilson hasn't had to do as much. You know, he still does an awful lot, still runs around, makes plays, keep plays alive throws well on the run, is able to make uh, first downs with his feet. Uh, but he also has, uh, you know, that sidekick with Chris Carson, who has emerged this season. And I, and I think that kind of has been the key uh, to what they've done offensively. And, and, you know, defensively, like Mo said, Bobby Wagner and some of these parts that they found in the secondary to kind of, uh, you know, remake the Legion of Boom. It's not that by any means, but, you know, that Legion of Boom fell apart. Uh, you know, they lost uh, – you know, the safety, uh, whose name escapes me right now, uh, gave the, gave kind of the organization the middle finger when he was getting carted off um, earlier this year. Maybe maybe losing him kind of helped bring that locker room a little bit more together because, uh, you know, he obviously was a divisive force in that locker room if he's given the organization the middle finger, uh, unhappy with his contract situation, didn't want to really play, and then he ends up breaking his leg and will be a free agent. So, uh, you know, I think maybe that might have helped uh, this team kind of come together a little bit more in the locker room. And then, like I said, Chris Carson, too, has to get a lot of credit. So, um, you know, Pete Carroll has done a terrific job with this team and, um, you know, has should finish pretty high in the Coach of the Year voting. It's Wild Card Weekend. We're talking with Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. We'll start with you, Ed. Uh, you had a very disappointing loss against the Cowboys. After that, you won three straight uh, against the Rams, uh, the Texans, and shut out the Redskins last week to get to the wild card game against a very good Chicago Bears. And I know that Mo uh, is in a, in a unique uh, position of the country where he covers both the Browns and the Bears. Uh, so we'll get his opinion on the Bears in just a moment. But let's get your thoughts on your Philadelphia Eagles. And I know you've been busy all week long. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, this team was dead, right? You, you mentioned the Cowboys game. They're sitting there at six and seven. Uh, they had just been stung in Dallas in overtime. They had a, a call that started the game go against them. The, they fumbled kickoff that it looked like the Eagles recovered, but somehow the officials uh, gave it to the Cowboys. That could have been a huge turning point. Uh, but the Eagles overcame that. You know, they didn't check out on Doug Peterson, and that's where I give, you know, Peterson and his staff a lot of credit for keeping this team focused. They're sitting there 6-7, and seven, all chances of winning the NFC East out the window. They have to get in as a wild card which meant having to win their last three games. And two of those games were against the Rams, who were 11-2 and two at the time, and then the Texans, who were 10-4 and four at the time, and they beat them both. And then, of course, the Redskins was kind of an easy – you know, they have players on Washington that shouldn't even be in the NFL at this point, but they're so banged up by injuries. So that was kind of an easy win. But they still had to maintain focus because they needed help from the Bears to get into the playoffs. So there was a lot of scoreboard watching going on in Washington. That place was overrun with Eagles fans. So whenever they showed that score 
on the scoreboard in FedEx Field. The crowd, you know, reacted to it. So the players, it was for them. It was hard to ignore what was happening, uh, you know, in Minnesota. And the Bears, they ended up beating the Vikings, which uh, you know, I didn't see that coming. I thought the Vikings had a little more heart than that. I mean, they were one of the best teams last year, but clearly that organization uh, has some serious issues, starting probably with Kirk Cousins. Uh, hasn't been all cracked up to be what they would hoped he would be when they gave him that big contract. And, you know, the Bears, I'm surprised they played their starters into the second half because they had nothing to play for when they looked at the scoreboard and saw that the uh, Los Angeles Rams were just thrashing the San Francisco 49ers, which gave them no hope uh, of advancing to that second seed and having a bye this weekend. They needed the Rams to lose. And when you see the Rams are up 28-3 to or whatever the heck it was, Matt Nagy kept his starters on the field. They were playing to win that game, not to preserve anybody. And I have to give him credit because I think had they been playing the Vikings on Sunday afternoon instead of the Eagles, I, I think that's an easier win. Uh, I know Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson are very good friends. Vic Fangio has a lot of friends on the Eagles coaching staff, and you know maybe they were trying to help them out. But now they have a harder game, in my opinion, having the Eagles come in. They're the Super Bowl champs, the defending Super Bowl champs. They're playing well won three in a row, playing with a lot of confidence. And they have the magic man, Nick Foles, uh, in their corner. He, you know, he's 6-1 and one from December on since 2016. Uh, the only loss was in that regular season finale last year against the Cowboys. It meant nothing. The Eagles already had home field wrapped up. So, really, he's kind of 6-0 and oh from December on. Uh, you know, and that, that's pretty magical. Uh, so, credit to Matt Nagy for playing the win. But I'm not sure that was going to be ultimately the smartest move. When you look at now who he has to play an Eagles team coming in with a boatload of confidence uh, versus a Vikings team that uh, they probably could have thrashed in, in, uh, in Chicago this weekend. So we'll see how it plays out. I still like the Bears in this game, but uh, they certainly made things a little bit more tougher on themselves by letting the Eagles stay in this thing. Yep, an $80 million mistake by the, by the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, we'll get into that on another time and another show. Um, Mo from the BS Sports Show, I know you cover the Chicago Bears, so uh, let's get your, your take on the other side of the coin, the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles. You heard uh, what Mo said about the Chicago Bears and the struggles that they may have against the Philadelphia Eagles. And we know that Nick Foles can, can certainly deliver in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Super Bowl champion. Uh, and uh, I would think that he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL. And I think most people are, are accepting of the fact that Nick Foles will not be with the Eagles next year. But he is with the Eagles this year, and they take on uh, – and he comes uh, across uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, and a very good Bears team. So, uh, give us the Bears' outlook against the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I mean, you know, I – I don't know that uh, I've accepted that he won't be with the Eagles next year. And I, I know Ed will know much better than I would, but I, I just, I feel like with the two major injuries to Carson Wentz, uh, you know, and what Nick Foles has done, it would be hard for me. I mean, I know clearing cap space is a big deal. And I know they really like Nate Sudfeld, a uh, former IU quarterback, but it would sure be hard at this point to get rid of Nick Foles. That being said, uh, you know, I heard Ed talk about uh, before, uh, um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky making plays with his feet and, and how the Eagles have struggled with that. Uh, and that's true. But, uh, you know, he does tend to make mistakes when he does that at times as well. To me, I mean, obviously the key is this defense. Uh, you know, they're, uh, I believe, third in the league in takeaways. You know, they they swarm you and they swarm the ball, much like that Houston defense we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack is such a disruptor when it comes to uh, to uh, defense that it makes, uh, you know, the other players on that front line – 
and those linebackers even better because of all the stuff that he does and takes on, you know, double teams a lot of the time. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the secondary, the Bears, uh, have played well this year. You know, it wasn't uh, the Bears weren't looking for a ton from these guys this year, but the, the secondary has played very well. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be predicated on the defense, uh, them stopping the run, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier. And Richard Trubisky not making mistakes. I think that's the biggest key to this Bears win is, is Trubisky not making mistakes. We'll see a lot of Tariq Cohen. We've seen uh, Howard pick it back up, who's had somewhat of a disappointing season this year, pick it back up these last couple of games. Uh, and so I, I just think Trubisky tends at times uh, to get uh, too pass-happy and force the ball, and that's created a lot of the Bears' uh, turnovers this year. Uh, you know, the, the Bears tend to hold on to the football pretty good. So it'll be fun. It's, it'll be fun to watch the, uh, the lines work between Nagy uh, and Doug Peterson when they both have very similar backs. Uh, you know, with uh, with Tariq Cohen, um, so I like I like the and Darren Sproles. So I like the way that uh, we can see those two backs used. But again, for the Bears, it's obviously the defense and, and Trubisky just not creating uh, turnovers. Well, we got one more game to cover. We got one more game to cover before uh, we we uh, have to uh, wrap it up and put a bow on it. But before we do. A good question out there, uh, Ed, uh, regarding Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. And, they, and again, Lightning Sutfield, a former IU guy, always got to point that out. Uh, but uh, Carson Wicks, riddled with injuries. What, what is the outlook for Nick Foles? Is the Philadelphia Eagles pretty much saying, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to move on? And everybody knows that Nick Foles is going to get a job somewhere. He's not like he's going to be without a job. Does Nick Foles one? Does he want to be a starting quarterback with another team? Is he happy backing up Carson Wentz? I know the Philadelphia Eagles are in love with Carson Wentz, but let's face it, we might you might be looking at a situation that we've been looking at with Luck, and I, you know it, it paid off with Luck to, to hang hang with him, and uh, you know, but you guys have a much better backup quarterback situation than what we did with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, just using that as an example, uh, so. Well, Carson Wentz, and that sounds lovely. <laughs> Carson Wentz, uh, Nick Foles, uh, what, what what happens in 2019 after the season, whenever that ends? Hopefully you guys go deep into the, to the playoffs, if not another Super Bowl championship. Wouldn't that be great? But that said, at some point your season ends, and you guys get to make off-season decisions. In that decision process, where's Nick Foles? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure Nick Foles knows what Nick Foles is going to do, to be honest. He, you know, he's been asked about, is he aware that this could have been his final home game a couple of weeks ago? And he talks about putting the jersey on for maybe the last time. Um, but then at the other end of the spectrum, he's saying how much he loves playing in Philly. His wife loves Philadelphia. He loves being in Philadelphia. He loves the city. So, you know, he's he's very conflicted, if you ask me, as to what he's going to do. And, you know, he's kind of a weird guy in that I think he's the guy that needs the right system to go into uh, what system that is. Clearly Jacksonville needs a quarterback. Washington probably does New York giants. Maybe if they back off from Eli, um, but there are certainly going to be teams that need a quarterback. There always are. And will any of those teams fit the kind of system that Nick likes to run? We all saw he didn't have success in St. Louis, but Jeff Fisher uh, really kills quarterbacks as we saw through his career. So I'm not sure you can kind of base what he did in St. Louis when the Rams were there with Jeff Fisher, uh, but then Andy Reid kind of resurrected his career. I think Nick Foles wants to start. The Eagles aren't going to bring him back. His contract is $20 million next year. Certainly they're not paying him that. 
so for him to come back to Philadelphia, he would probably want to have to come back on a on a fairly cheaper contract and want to be, you know, probably the best relief pitcher in football, if you will, because he is probably the best back. He is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, will, would he be willing to take a, you know, a hometown discount? I'm not sure. I don't think Nick knows for sure, um, but it's clear the Eagles aren't going to bring him back at 20 million and there's going to have to be some heavy negotiating. that's going to take place if the Eagles want him to come back. Uh, and we're going to see what other teams throw his way. But other teams have to be careful with him because they have to make sure they have the system that fits what Nick does well, and they have to know what that is. Yeah, and you guys very well might be uh, playing uh, Nick Foles next year with the Washington Redskins. So we'll we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, so let's move on to the next game. We'll start with you, Mo, the, the, the final game of tomorrow. The uh, Baltimore Ravens host uh, the – L.A. charge, just like calls and think L.A. and not San Diego. But Philip Rivers firing on all cylinders. I'm not a Ravens fan. I'm going with the Chargers on the road against the, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. What are your thoughts, Mo? Well, you know, I think it helps the Chargers that they uh, that they just saw Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers, I think, looked the worst of the year against the, that Baltimore team. Uh, a lot of fun, uh, drawn up blitzes. That, uh, that Philip Rivers got that game. And, you know, Lamar Jackson has played well this year. Uh, he hasn't passed well, but he's played well. And you wonder if, if how long that that can be sustained because sooner or later I think teams, you know, find a game plan uh, for a quarterback that runs that much. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, not straight for this game, but in the offseason how much they work with Lamar uh, on his passing ability. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, you know, the defenses are fun. Uh, San Diego has got a, a pretty darn good defense too, and I think this, you know, I think you look a lot at what the Browns did last week uh, on that front four in the second half when they made the adjustments to where that uh, defensive uh, front started to bunch up as uh, you know before the snap, and that really took away that middle run that they that the Ravens did so early on with Lamar Jackson. So they forced him to go outside, and when you've got quick cornerbacks who can make plays in the run game, that helps. And San Diego does have that, so I think that'll be. Uh, something that you could look for is to watch the San Diego front line uh, kind of bunch up like uh, like Cleveland did in that second half uh, last week uh, against the uh, against the Ravens. Uh, it'll be a fun game. This uh, I heard you talking uh, before we came on about uh, Philip Rivers uh, and really making that push this year. And I think now is is where the time he's really got to put that uh, signature playoff win. And I think it starts today uh, with Baltimore. But uh, you know I think it'll be a fun close game. Uh, and I, I, I'm excited to watch it. That's probably one of the better games of the weekend. And what are your thoughts? The uh, Baltimore Ravens hosting the L.A. Chargers, Phillip Rivers uh, coming on the road against Baltimore. I mean, again, you look at the, the, the Chargers uh, a lot like what we look at, at Eagles fans, looks like the Eagles, and the Colts fans look at like the Colts. That's what they call it wild card weekend. Each team has made significant processes to get to where they're at. What are your thoughts? The Sandy, uh, I can't did it again. The LA Chargers and uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, you know, I still see that LAC that denotes the Los Angeles Chargers, and I and I always think Los Angeles Clippers for some reason because that's how they were always known and still are is LAC. So it's still very confusing, and you know, you, you have to retrain your memory to to remember that they're the Los Angeles Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers. But either way, they're whatever you call them, their offensive line is going to have to play better in this game. 
Philip Rivers was sacked four times two weeks ago. He was hit eight other times. Uh, you know, he was forced into making two interceptions. Um, so their offensive line, it's going to have to start there for the Chargers. If they want to win this game. They're going to have to play better. And they're going to have to do it against the number one ranked defense in the NFL. The Ravens' defense is ranked number one. They're fourth against the run, fifth against the pass, first overall. It's not going to be an easy chore for them. Uh, Phillip Rivers, to me, uh, you know, I've put this on Twitter and I've gotten grilled for it. Uh, I think is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I mean, what has he ever won? He hasn't won a thing. He's four and five in the playoffs. Yeah, he's won some big games lately, but to me, you know, he hasn't come up big in big spots and, you know, here he is maybe with perhaps his best overall team, well-rounded team, and we'll see how far they can go. It's not going to be easy in Baltimore. Not that the Ravens is any great shakes with home crowd advantage. I've been in that stadium for Ravens games. It's, you know, it's not uh, Kansas City or, or some of the other tougher places to play in this league. So that's not going to be a factor. Like I said, they're going to have to find a way to block, to keep Rivers upright. And then on the other side of the ball, they're going to have to stop the run because Lamar Jackson does not throw the ball well. Uh, you know, he makes some good plays from time to time, but he's way too inconsistent at this stage, but he makes plays with his feet. You know, the Ravens had nearly 160 yards on the ground in that win uh, in L.A. two weeks ago. So, you know, they're going to have to play better against the run, and they're going to have to block better when Rivers drops back to pass. All right, guys, well, we're about out of time. We're going to put a, a bow on it and wrap it up. But before we do that, Mo, let's start with you. On the AFC side, uh, we like Kansas City. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to stay with the Colts until the uh, – so I'm not going to jinx the Colts at all uh, by, by making any predictions for any other team but the Colts. So that said, I, I, I have the homer card uh, to my defense. But we like Kansas City. We like New England. AFC side, uh, who, who's going to represent in the Super Bowl? Well, you know what's fun, and not to get ahead of myself, but uh, what would be fun to see is to see Indianapolis win today. And they've had success against Kansas City in the playoffs. And with the amount of yards that Kansas City's defense lets up, it would be a very fun matchup to see the Colts in Kansas City. Uh, at this point, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, they've played well this year. Uh, you know, they've struggled a little bit at the end, but they've still figured out ways to win. Uh, Mahomes is a fun to watch. Uh, I think they've got to figure out they need a they need almost a run that's uh, uh, very um, uh, that reminds you of that uh, that uh, Colts run in 2006 to where when it came playoff time that defense just kind of stepped up and took over because they were a defense that gave up a lot of yards then too. Uh, I like the Chiefs. I think New England has probably has its worst team it's had in years at this point, uh, whether it be with injuries or or just uh, you know the not great play of Tom Brady this year. It's been adequate and it's got the job done. He's not terrible by any means, but I think it's been a year that's a down year for the Patriots. So picking right now, I'd have to have to go with the Chiefs, which is an obvious pick because it's the number one answer. But ones have uh, really dominated the Super Bowl the last few years. So I'm going to stick with the Chiefs and the AFC. And uh, I know you're very familiar with the Chiefs coach, uh, Mr. Kool-Aid Man, as I like to affectionately refer to him. But Patrick Mahomes is obviously uh, on the roll to, to maybe being an MVP. Uh, certainly has a dangerous throw. He throws like a baseball player. It's crazy to watch. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, you got to like what Kansas City is doing. But they don't have success in the playoffs. And, again, I'm not going to jinx the Colts, so – I'm staying out of this fight, but you got to like Kansas City. Well, 
there's two words that prevent me from really liking Kansas City, and that's Andy Reid. I, I mean, and I, I kind of hope they win it all just so I don't have to say that anymore. But until he wins a game, you know, until he can get him to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, you know, it's the same old story with him. We saw it forever in Philadelphia. Uh, and so I, I can't pick them. Now, maybe this week off will help them uh, kind of answer some of the questions that have opened up on defense, uh, maybe find a way to effectively operate an offense a little more smoothly without Kareem Hunt available to them maybe this week will help them uh kind of get some of those answers but i you know i can't pick the chiefs i'm sorry i just can't uh and the patriots are hard to pick too a lot of teams are overlooking them though um but but still they're they're the defending afc champ and until somebody beats them i'm gonna have to stake with the patriots i hate to say it um but there's just not a team out there maybe the texans you know i mean how interesting would it be not for fans outside of texas but what if it's a dallas houston super bowl i mean how crazy would that be and you know to me i think houston is one of the dark horse teams in the afc hunt and i think dallas is one of the dark horse teams in the nfc so you know i'm not going to say that's my super bowl uh or okay i will say it's my super bowl but i I reserve the right to change that next weekend after we see what happens this weekend Fair enough. All right, guys, let's look at the NFC side of the fence. You know, I've been on the Rams bandwagon all year long. I, I know they've had some disappointing losses recently, and I, and I know they're, they're, they're still maybe not firing on all cylinders, but I like the Rams uh, to take it, uh, take it all the way. We'll start with Emo. What are your thoughts on the NFC uh, side? Do you like the Rams? What are your thoughts? I, I do like the Rams, unless I wind up meeting the Chicago Bears. Uh, we saw the Bears <laughs> – just manhandle the Rams, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, and, and to me, the you know, as, as good as New Orleans is and as good as the Rams are, uh, you know, we've seen them both struggle with, with you know, great defensive efforts. We saw the Rams, uh, you know, get uh, somewhat embarrassed by that Dallas defense. So, uh, you know, it's a long shot, obviously, but, you know, when it comes to playoff time, a lot of times running the football and defense wins championships, and I like what the Bears do, so – I'm uh, not being a not trying to be a homer. I just I like everything that they do. I, I realize they're inexperienced when it comes to playoffs, but I like the defense in the running game of the Chicago Bears. All right, guys, thumbs up, thumbs down. We got to wrap it up here. Th- uh, we're going to move over to college football championship. Thumbs up, uh, Ed. The Clemson Tigers beat Alabama. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. No. What about you? Thumbs down or thumbs up? The Clemson Tigers beat Alabama. I'm going to say thumbs up, but pretty much the thumb would be up somewhere else because I could care less about this matchup again. But I do like Clemson's quarterback a lot. But, you know, I could care less if you want to put their thumbs up there or you know what. So, But I'm going to take Clemson in the game. Yeah, I like Clemson too because they beat Notre Dame and I don't like Alabama. So no other reason other than that, I'm going I'm going thumbs up. Um, uh, Ed from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beat writer our official NFL contributor. He writes for the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io. Uh, where else can you work your masterpieces there, Ed? Hey, you can hit me on Twitter, at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. You can find me there, and uh, I post what I can when I can. All right, sounds good. Go Colts, go Eagles. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see ya. Mo, uh, what about you? Uh, where, where can people find you lingering around? Uh, well, um, normally around the uh, entrance to the women's locker room at the gym, but they found yeah, that a lot. Up. So, uh, uh, 
No, I will recommend, even though Ed's not on here anymore, and I'm not trying to kiss ass, but uh, his piece on Alshon Jeffrey returning to Chicago uh, at footballmaven.io slash eagles is awesome. I got the chance to uh, read it yesterday and, and tweeted out the link on my Twitter account, which you can always follow. Uh, sports stuff and uh, some weird, wild, wacky stuff like a, uh, a 32-year-old woman in New York who tried to sign up as a homeless high school student and made it a day before they caught on to her. So you can find all kinds of wacky stuff like that uh, as well on my Twitter account, at Mo Radio Show. All right, buddy. Go Colts. What happens? Yes, sir. We'll say, and we're not going to say go Bears because of, 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 of Ed, but we'll say go Colts. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. All right, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks. Always love having Ed and Mo on, talking some NFL. Guys, it's been a great show. We wrapped it up and put a bowl on it. Here's what happened today. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, Notre Dame country, talking some Notre Dame with us. Uh, Notre Dame football at Clemson, the college football uh, championship as well, and talking a little bit about IndyCar, funny season, offseason, as, as Matt is also our official IndyCar contributor. And, you know, thanks for putting up with me for about 15 or 20 minutes. Super fan Kyle Courtney uh, joining us and breaking down uh, Oz the Steelers' turn and see what, what's going on with Antonio Brown and all the craziness with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, we just uh, listened to uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, and uh, he does write for uh, footballmaven.io slash eagles. And, of course, Mo from the BS Sports Show. My, name, my name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Love having you along. Make sure that you download the podcast. We'll catch you guys again next week right here on the Balance Radio Network. Remember to follow us on all of our social media. I'm out of here. Don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.